Damn it! Answer me, you bastard! Speak now, or stick my foot up in your wazoo, cause we got a job to do. To study is why we were sent here to this zoo. Captain Gooch Gobbler said so, and I do too. There are dissections, abema sections, cross sections, different directions, humans bump in the dark, it's true. Drug consumption, the marma junctions, assumptions, forming by gumptions. Humans love the dark, they'll fuck you too. There is poetry, philosophy, sodomy, anatomy. Humans bump in the dark, they will bump you. Sensation after correlation, and correlation after sensation. Humans bump in the dark, here's how they grow. Episode 114. Uh, we're not back. This is a whole new episode. Yeah, but we're back. No, we're not. They, were, they missed us, and then they said, oh, I can't wait till I come back, and now we're back. Okay, sure. Yeah, holding things up, the back. If that's the way you want to look at it. Well, I still have my pants, and there's... <laughs> <laughs> something went on my back. Did you have a blowout? I, I could feel it. My stomach feels very uncomfortable right now. That, I, I felt the whole... Maybe I ate one of those bugs. You said you ate a baby's arm, and then we yeah, found out it was Did you get botulism? Baby. Oh, oh, God. Fucking... I'm blowing bubbles. Jesus, I'm going to put you in the bathtub to be a hot tub. Everybody kind of loves and hates their own aroma, right? Sure. We gotta change out this uh, chair when we're done. I think so. At least it's not you that's fine for it. Yeah, that was bad last week. Was it last week? Cause I oh, don't two weeks ago. You here at yeah. all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys went on she vacation. He was here when we weren't, and and he was he like, "Where the fuck are you? You're supposed to pick me up at the bus stop," and I forgot. Don't worry, a nice old man gave me a ride home. The nun thing was a joke. Was uh, he a priest? No, just a regular guy. Are you sure you weren't the one who became the nun and ended up praying, oh God, oh God, oh God? No, no, no. Lord, it's okay, you could tell me. No. It's a safe space, nobody's going to know, not even the listeners. He was an Uber driver, so chill. Oh, he was an Uber driver. You know, you can actually get those guys in trouble now. Oh, for what? For doing what they did to you. you they said did the nothing. Driver was <laughs> they didn't do nothing. He literally just played music and we talked and then gave him a tip. And then you blacked out. Next thing you know, you're on the steps of your own house. And your butthole ready is to really grab sore. And pray to the porcelain toilet because you think you may have swallowed his bugs. And then you have a shoe missing. Like, what? Why? Oh, Why is your shoe missing? At least it wasn't a kidney. Man, a p- I think he looked at my kidneys and was like, oh, God, this guy's screwed. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, he did say you were screwed. Yeah, Ugh. I don't think it was about your kidneys, so. No, he might have tried to fuck you till your kidneys got screwed, but that's not how that works. They're making that up. That's not true. Who? You. 
Me, so never. you've never had it in your ass. You, okay, Void. You you don't have to answer that, Void. We already know. But I poop you. from there. Why would I do that? Because it feels good. I poop from my ass too, and I've had dicks up there yeah. many well, times. I'm not really interested in that. So That's you were interested lie. last time. Mm. Not myself. Yeah. Well, yeah, you didn't have your own fist up yeah, there. You don't want to put leg. your six by six up your own or butt. Baby arm, whatever. Yeah. Whatever you're calling it you're now. Putting baby arms up your butt. Just stop getting the detachables. Yeah, you might want to have the lunchables. Okay, let's let's talk about this dude. Okay. Okay. Who who is he? George Berkeley. That's right. Yeah. Once upon a time, there was a human named William Berkeley. In Mr. Berkeley's later life, he was described as a gentleman by his eldest male offspring, George Berkeley. A younger reproduction of William Berkeley had described had described the Willie as a commissioned officer. To be more specific, William was a cornet of dragoons. I thought you said Willie. Yeah, Willie. William Willie. Willie, Willie, Willie. I just, I don't know. So, as Willie, you know, as Willie does, as, you know, the cornet of dragoons, Willie ended up uh, being one of those humans on one of those high horses. You know, those characters that bounce up and down on a rather large stag, wearing some brightly colored clothes in order to be more visible in, in war. Sure. Also, uh, a metaphor for thinking someone's more morally right, but just basically just as corrupt as anyone else. Mm, I mean, you could use that as a metaphor, but no, he was literally one of those dudes. You rolled up on the horse in, you know, brightly colored uniform, being an easy spotted target in war. You know, one of those dudes. So anyways... William Berkeley lived long enough to copulate with a female sapient of the homo by the year of 1684. I imagine it was in the month of July, somewhere around the 12th of July, about nine months before March 12th. And, uh, yeah, in the year was 1685 when the first batch of reproduction came out of, you know, William's, you know, woman. So George Berkeley was born... Yeah, no name was given for George Berkeley's mother. It was not my choice to not name her at all. Okay, I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? No, that was just a baby maker, apparently. Yep. You know. She had no other identity. She probably got, you know, put away inside an asylum when she went crazy. Probably. Yeah. Hey, you fixed the shoe rack. I did. Thank you. You're welcome. George Berkeley was born in, near, or around three listed places, according to uh, Britannica. We have Jamestown, Desert College, no, Desert Castle, and uh, Kilkenny. To make sense of this, all you need to do is look up Desert Castle, which comes up as ruins of a castle that once flourished in the county of Kilkenny, near Jamestown. You think that's where South Park got the idea? You know, I was thinking that. We should ask them. Well, there's probably a Kilkenny in Colorado. 
Because I know there's one in Texas. That makes sense. Yeah. Are they bastards in Kilkenny? Probably. Yeah, there are probably many bastards in Kilkenny. Just you like bastards. Many bastards everywhere. The weird thing that's tripping me out is their 25th year icon is a big, huge thing of shit. What? On South Park, they have all these ads for 25th year, and the 25 is a big, huge shit. <laughs> that's, that's funny. That sounds like those two. Yeah. Yeah. So, just in case if they edit the article, I went ahead and copy and pasted a piece of the article so everybody knows that I read it, and I read it right. Okay, so Britannica said, born March 12th, 1685, near Desert College, near Thomastown, question mark. Thomastown, I thought it said Jamestown. Uh-oh. <laughs> Maybe I didn't read it right, huh? No, it was Thomastown. Yeah, just cut and paste Thomastown where I said Jamestown. Okay. Thomastown. Yeah, Jamestown is where all the people killed themselves with fucking Kool-Aid. Yeah, so anyways, Thomastown, question mark. Yeah, and then it said, County Kilkenny, Ireland. So, there was a question mark there. I copied and pasted it, so there's that. Given that there is um, this holiday that recently passed that is credited to Irish heritage, I think this episode is perfect because... You know, Kilkenny County is in Ireland. Now, there's not much mentioned about George's, you know, early lifehood or early childhood. But we go into the fact that uh, college must have been different for the Irish during this time, since George is claimed to have completed several years of education in a college at Kilkenny's College, which is where he enrolled in, in 1696 at the age of 11. There, he studied until he entered into Trinity College in Dublin, Ireland, at the age of 15 in 1700. Trinity College during this time is thought to have been a great training ground for humans in a more modern approach of thinking about the world. Some have even described this more modern thought as hostile, quote-unquote, towards Aristotle. I don't blame them. I got a hostile when I was reading Aristotle, too. Imagine having to actually read the whole thing and then write essays on it. I would have gone mad. <laughs> yeah, you hated that shit. Yes, I did. It was uh, redundant. Boring. It was like a wooden wheel. Void. Like the wooden one we talked about in the last episode. Mm-hmm. You know, the kind of one you put on a nun's imaginary bus that you put a hood up and played with your six-by-six six in there. <laughs> I was trying to start a fire. You're trying to start a fire. Oh, that's a good use of wood. Now, where was I? Talking about him putting a six-by-six six under the hood. Oh, back to topic. That's where I was. ha. <laughs> So, back to the topic. We, are you guys okay? You're not passed out from my gas? I think I'll be okay. I'm glad I'm shitting. I, I'm glad I'm shitting like a different direction today, though. That's a good idea. Yeah. 
After going to the school uh, of Trinity College, George received a bachelor's degree in 1704 at the age of 19. In 1707, we have George becoming a fellow of the Trinity College and being ordained at the Anglican Church soon afterwards. It's noted by source, too, that George began his philosophical commentaries in 1707 as well. This early thought process documented on paper allows people to see how others may change their beliefs throughout life, and especially if you gather data from prior to the age of full frontal lobe development till a much later date. Because in 1707, our sapien of the homo of interest was at the age of 22, not 25. Oh, that's what they believed back then? What? That you developed by 22? No. No, I was just making note that he wrote a philosophical book when he was 22. Oh. Three years prior to the believed age of full frontal lobe development. Ah, yes. You're close, but you're a little bit undercooked. Mm, yes, yes. And even then, you know, a lot of people are still never really fully cooked. Humans. Yeah, usually humans kind of never get fully cooked. Yeah, these humans are very low or in they, the IQ department. Or they get burnt. You know, they get too cooked. And uh, they get burnt out and uh, they just are, you know, living a life of not being fully there. That's crazy. I also see people that are don't know have common sense at my job, and it's, they do stuff that uh, annoys the hell out of me. <laughs> oh, man, try living with somebody like that. No, it's crazy. Yeah, you talk about me, woman. I didn't say your name. Oh. Oh, Tom Nye? Yes. I haven't seen him for a while. Yes, Tom Nye. We get to find him. We have got to find Tom Nye. Good I luck. Hope he didn't get stuck in the walls. Maybe that's who's over at Jesus' house. Oh, you know what? That makes so much sense. I saw him eyeing that place for a while. It just it just does a cutaway of the Irish accent. You what in the world or whatever his crazy accent is. Yeah, Tom Nye is totally Irish. Not, he's Scottish. Isn't Not, he? No, oh, he's Cockney, right? <laughs> You're funny. He's Cockney, right? Yeah, he's yeah, he's definitely Cockney. Yeah. He's got a cock in me. He's a killer he in you. Sorry, singing Smashing Pumpkins. Smashing Pumpkins? It's a 90s band. Oh, okay. Yeah, Smash Pumpkins on stage. No. Good thing a scapegoat doesn't do that. We should start doing it. Maybe we'll attract they're, more goats. They're, you know what? That is a great political thinking there. We need less sheep. More goats. Yeah. Goats are better than sheep. Yes. Even though there is that other band that one could reference void. What's that? The band called Cake. You know, sheep go to heaven, goats go to hell. Yes. Yeah, anyways, let's go to something more, more, you know, sensical like this. Okay? As one would logically assume, George was critical of both Descartes and John Locke Jr., along with several others that were listed and some that were not listed in article on Britannica, 
But I will not mention them because I'm more focused on how I dislike Descartes and John Locke's writings. So that's something you agreed upon with him? To a degree. Okay. You know, you may have disagreements with both of them. And I do. Um, yeah. From 1707. And I imagine earlier, George thought long and hard about time and sight. The first publicized work credited to George was titled Arithmetica and Miscellanea Mathematica, which is thought to have been a thesis work where he would analyze his initial philosophical thoughts, questioning empiricism, which is the standpoint John Locke supported regarding experience being everything. Remember that? Oh, yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Like experience can that, but your own thoughts can also form stuff, too. Yeah, but thoughts also come from experiences. Yep. Are you saying thoughts become things? Yes. Well, you can make it a reality. That's yeah, our special definitely. gift. Oh, that's just fucking crazy. I never heard of anything like that yeah. ever in my life. Sounds very metaphysical. Extremely. I believe it's called manifestation. Mm. <gasps> what? Whoa, what? You gonna manifest something? Maybe a girlfriend, but that's kind of hard. You could. You could easily do that, Void. How's that? You just, you know that song? I forgot who did it. Just hang on loosely, but Rub don't let go. Rub Three men in the tub. We're talking about your fantasies, woman. Yeah, we're talking about getting a woman, not three men in your tub. God damn it. Yes, Ed. I'm manifesting over here. I got to say, just hang on loosely. But don't let go, whoa, whoa. If you hold on too tightly, you're gonna lose control. Children gonna get smashed in the head for coming down here while I'm trying to record. Okay, we're done moving. Yes. Okay. The original argument for George, no, from George, relied on the subjective experiences people have with their sensations. This was replaced by an argument that in order to exist, that something has, you know, to be perceived. This reminds me of Schrodinger's cat. You or know. a tree making noise falling in the forest. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So it's kind of like the idea that if everything has to be noticed, then a hidden snake or a spider wouldn't be able to sneak up on you and bite you. Because you never perceive that snake or spider. Until it actually did it. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I was there before I perceived it. How did that happen? Oh. Like the bicycler I almost hit today. Yeah, you didn't perceive him until he popped right out there. Oh, no, but the thing is, he I saw him before he saw me. So I had already stopped in the middle of an oh, intersection. you weren't perceived by him. So you didn't exist until he saw you, even though you were about to hit yeah. him. Well, no, I was completely stopped. I had already stopped. He's like, why? why? Stop sign. I'm like, I stopped twice. Yeah, you know, some people are kind of funny. He probably believes in Schrodinger's cat. Well, the thing is, he was very close to the thing, so I couldn't see him until I was already in the intersection. Yeah. But I was going slow. Yeah, so and even if you don't like the hidden snake analogy or the spider analogy, we can have another one where if you close your eyes right now, and walk about the room you're in without any shoes on. And uh, don't pay attention and believe that you're walking on an infinite plane and nothing is there, and you will stub your toe. Now, you shall be happy to stub your toe. 
because then you know reality is there even if you perceive it or not. That's crazy. Yeah, imagine that. Stubbing your toe. Ow. Prove everything. It's weird. It's a certain kind of pain, and it hurts a lot, then it stops. It's kind of weird. Yes. It hurts a lot, and then it stops? Well, it's like a quick pain. I don't know. One time, I broke my toenail. Yeah, one time, my whole fucking side of my foot was bruised. I swear I broke my baby toe. Yeah, remember that one time when I stuck my toe up your ass on accident when I was trying to walk out to the restroom in the middle of the night, Void? Oh, you are knocked out unconscious, huh? Yeah, you're just dragging my body, and I wondered how the fuck I woke up on the floor. That's how you woke up next to the toilet, Void. Wanting to puke. You ripped my guts out. I might have stepped on your balls. Hence the baby arm. Oh, is that what happened to the original 3x3? I thought that had something to do with you wanting to puke, but yeah, that could make your 3x3 baby arm. That's a fat baby arm. That's a fat short baby arm. Yeah, you got an interesting baby arm. Where'd you find that one? Area 51. Void, I told you not to go there anymore. gave it to him. Her on to us right there. I gave it to him when he was a child, and he just got attached to it, so we always wanted that one. Nice. You got attached to a baby arm. How did it become a detachable one? A three-by-three baby arm. Well, you just said you guys stepped on it. I spelled Coco. Fuck me in the ass. Let's go. (laughs) Void, get your lube you are making for those nuns. Oh, never mind. Get the lube from your friend who has all those guns. Now I have a stain on my pants. A big brown stain on my pants. Okay, hold And it's on. not coming from my asshole. Yeah, I got the oil on my shoes and pants today. That sucked. Yeah. Well, hoping- we can call the oil all you want, but we know what that is, right? No, it was actually motor oil from changing the car. Yeah, it's motor. Is that what you call your anus now? No. I was literally changed my oil today. Yes, with that special pan you hover over instead of a toilet. That was actually in the last episode. Oh. Nut gatherer is gone. She's going to go change her oil. Yeah. Everybody doing that today right now. A great day, Sunday, to change your oil. Look at that. Should I put that in that toilet? It kind of looks like I wiped an asshole. It's all brown and looks like diarrhea. It smells good, though. So let's go back to uh, George. Something that was called the quote-unquote master argument was that of a person that imagines items without anyone else there to perceive them, then there are only two situations. I don't gather much sense out of this statement whatsoever. But anyways, the two situations are the perceivable or are the perceptible in the observer. Okay. Something about these items actually being there since they were perceived just in the mind. At this point, it seems like nothing was congruent in this line of reasoning whatsoever to me. It may be because I didn't understand a single thing I read. Fun. Yeah, it's kind of hard to make sense of people who write things way more complicated than they need to be. 
But the main thing I know that you have to take away from this, or at least if you want to take away anything, would be that all items in the physical realm are there inside your mind because you perceive them inside your mind, which is true because your mind is putting together all your sensations to make sense of what you're sensing. Sort of like how we can have a sense of being and then shift from a sense of being and feel disoriented. Sort of like how people who have a different brain structures, like severely autistic people, will experience life completely differently. That's why some freak out at loud noises or too many noises going on. Just the leaves rustling in trees may cause someone who has a completely different brain to go into some cataclysmic drama. Well, the thing is also they might have a sensitivity to it too, that kind of there's overstimulation. Yes, yes. So like everything they perceive is a different thing from me. The original argument though that I liked that George scrapped from his very early years was that everything that you sense is subjective, which is the perfect argument for trying to say everything exists for how you perceive it. Now, later on in the article on Britannica, they went in to say George didn't think that, at the time, George didn't think that things never existed unless if you perceived them. There's actually quotes regarding this. Um, let's go here. Quote, you may hold, if you will, that objects of sense have only an in and out existence, that they are created in annihilated with every turn of a man's attention, but do not follow those views on me. I do not hold them, end quote. And then, you know, in this book that was just mentioned, um, existence is percipe or perciper. The horse is in the stable. The books are in the study as before, which means that even if you're not seeing them, they're still there, but the way you experience them are there and the way you perceive them, which is quite literally what happens. But he sounds like he agrees with me more and more. Like, in this one, you know, makes perfect sense. You know, it's not like they're not there. It's just they're only there when you perceive them, and you experience them through the way you perceive them. There was a letter that they took a quote from out of context uh, that Berkeley wrote to one of his friends, noted as not a philosophical human being, and it's, quote, I question not the existence of anything that we perceive by our senses. Now to the untrained mind, or the mind that does not like to think upon what they read. Um, when you say I do not question the existence of anything that we perceive by our senses, meaning that everything is there, it's just not the way we experience it until we perceive it. Let's go on. So although my correlation sensation had me thinking that he was uh, along the lines of the Schrodinger cat, Schrodinger cat people, which happened hundreds of years after his lifetime, um, yeah, there's a lot of proof that during this time when he was writing his book and after he published it, he did not believe that kind of talk. Now, we have the only reason why we're talking about Mr. Berkeley, which is not his philosophical standpoint whatsoever which is kind of interesting because there's a lot of other philosophical standpoints that were taken into consideration on Washington.edu's timeline, except for this one. But we're going on to the other publication, which is of the year 1709. When Mr. Berkeley was 24 years old, he wrote this essay, he wrote this essay called 
an essay towards a new theory of vision. So impactful, it's said to have been, to his career, that this was called George Berkeley's quote-unquote golden period of authorship. The main takeaway from this book is that objects of sight are not without the mind, and that nothing truly exists, with openly contradicting statements from his previous book. I imagine that this might be a simple observation that one could take that someone is changing their thoughts the more they live and question their thoughts. And a more cynical take on this would be is that George Berkeley had a, a deeper desire to take something that was more palatable to people living in his time to take them to another book, which would say nothing really exists at all. So he's changing his, he's flip-flopping here. That's yeah. my favorite. Yeah, from 22 to 24. He flipped. He flipped flops. Yeah, so this is a very critical point in his lifetime, too. Maybe the brain development. Yeah, maybe he hit his head too hard so it couldn't develop anymore. <laughs> it doesn't exist unless if I see it. <laughs> and then it only exists inside my mind. <laughs> he sounds like a Matrix guy. From okay. the 1600s. There's no there is no spoon. Only opium den. Where were you this last week, Ford? Where were you really? You Uber driver, priest, nuns, what? At we, home and work. At home and work. Did you go back to where we got the panda? No. Panda Express was closed. Oh, okay. Isn't Panda Express somewhere you eat? Yes. Probably assume that he was going to eat the panda. Okay. Now, in the year of 1709 as well, Berkeley was made a deacon and ordained a priest in 1710. He maintained his fellowship at his academic institution for 17 years as well. We have a little timeline here from 1709 to 17. George was a librarian. Ooh, you know, sexy librarians. Then from 1710 to 1711, George was a junior dean, along with being a tutor and a lecturer on three subjects that were mentioned were divinity, Greek, and Hebrew, even though I'm kind of surprised that since he's Catholic and he's heavy related into the church that he didn't teach Latin at all. I imagine he would have, especially if he taught Greek and Hebrew. Now, once 1712 came around and came around his face and then came around his mom, who wasn't named. Another book was published called Passive Obedience. Sounds like a good book for domesticating animals, don't you think? Yes, Catholics perfect. are animals? Humans are animals, yes. But humans don't like being called animals. Okay, the nut gatherer is looking around for Tom Nye once again. So, this book is one could assume, Passive Obedience, sounds like a good book for domesticating animals, right? As one would assume, passive obedience was a political piece of garbage, defending his identity as a quote-unquote Tory human, meaning he believed in the divinity of some political leadership and royalty in the church, you know. At the age of 28 in 1713, George took a leave of absence for the first time, and he uh, went outside of Ireland. He was met with a great fanfare, according to Britannica, by a bunch of conservatives who are, you know, trying to conserve religious power over the general populace. One of those is named Sir Richard Steele, 
Sounds like Hard Richard. The hardest steel. Yeah. Yeah, at this point, I would have thought Nutgatherer would have made a dick joke. You know, Sir Richard Steele. And I said, sounds like Hard Richard. Then she would have said, Steely Dick. More like Hard Dick. Yeah, Steely Dick. Steely Dan's Dick. Yeah, anyways. This big hard dick was notable for me since he wrote an essay for something, or he wrote several essays for something called The Guardian Against the Free Thinkers Void. That just seems kind of weird. Of course. Of course he would, you know, be knighted. Or, of course, someone who was knighted would think that royalty must be maintained. So you got to keep on, you know, pushing back the free thinkers. You know, none of those free thinkers, they might ruin everything for the, the people in power. After Sir Harddick, we have the Pope. The Pope? Ale- yeah, the poopy Pope poop. Pope oh. Alexander. Alexander's poopiness. Who uh, is quoted for saying, every virtue under heaven. Basically, credit given to George Berkeley. And he also went to the embassy of Sicily as a chaplain with some other human named Charles Mordaunt. And uh, they were, he had a title of third earl of Peterborough. George has said he uh, called this Mordaunt a uh, really good ambassador. I don't know. And now at the age of 30, George wrote an essay as a response to the Jacobite Rebellion in 1715. It was titled as Advice to the Tories Who Have Taken the Oath. Okay. I'm not going to go into that one. In 1716 to 1720, George spent time in Italy as a tutor to the bishop's, you know, the bishop of Clogger's son named George Ash. In those four years spent in Italy, George filled up four journals giving descriptions and and even pictures of sightseeing, according to Britannica. In 1721, George Berkeley published yet another book titled De Motu. I tried to find the translation for this title, but came up empty-handed. So I will now assume what the translation is, and it's of motion. That's what I want to say, because uh, motu kind of reminds me of motion. The reason being why I assume this is not just the uh, words itself is that this book is addressing disagreements that George Berkeley had with notions that Isaac Newton published, and more specifically, the concept of time, space, and motion being absolute. Later on, George would be credited for one who understood enough to be the precursor to more modern humans, such as Mach and Einstein, because they realized that it was all relative, not absolute. Now, by 1621, the new world was getting a lot of hype, even though the old world is as new as the old world, since it's all part of the same goddamn planet. We shall not get into that nonsense anymore. Anyways, this is the year George wrote an essay about how the westward expansion would save the Great Britain. In 1722, George had hatched a plan later to uh, be published in 1724 called A Proposal for the Better Supplying of Churches. From what I read, it seems like uh, he wanted to get 20,000 pounds from the British government so they could supply Bermuda churches to educate the native children. 
but it went to uh, someone else who had a plan for Georgia's colony, which is funny to me since Georgia, you know, and George Berkeley had a different idea, but someone had a, another idea in Georgia. One might say this is coincidence or irony, depending upon your reasoning. By the year of 1728, at the age of 43, just like our other sapien of the homo, the guy who liked to lick gangrene, Antonio Falsaba, yes. Yes. George Berkeley got married at the age of 43, just like Antonio. So I guess he, in front of his life, was uh, wrought with being busy with work. Yeah, trying to make a name for himself or building up his career to get his uh, name for himself placed. You know, be that top ape on the hill. Yes. So, this uh, woman, apparently, uh, I didn't get, I didn't even get the age. I'm gonna next episode we'll get the age though. Okay. We're, we're about ready to stop. Okay. Yeah. So the female sapien of Homo though that George Berkeley had married was named Anne, who was a daughter of the Chief Justice Foster. So Follow- Anne Foster turned into Anne Berkeley. Yes. Following the marriage, George and Anne went to Newport of Rhode Island in America. It wasn't until 1731 when George figured out that the grant for his Bermuda indoctrination, his Bermuda indoctrination camp, wasn't going through. By this time, George already purchased a piece of earth and had a house there called Whitehall where many people would come, and he preached inside his house uh, with group meetings or around the neighborhood because uh, he was a uh, you know, a Catholic guy. At this point in George's life, I am going to stop the recording. Okay. Yes. Yes, we're going to go into a part two. Okay. If you don't like it, that's okay. Okay. Okay, what? I was just agreeing with you. Okay, it seems as though the nut gatherer had found her man. Okay. Tom Nye. Okay. And uh, we're going to uh, record next week. Okay. Part two. All right. If you like this podcast, uh, go to social media. You know, we got the Gork Mouth on TikTok. You can get a free T-shirt. Yeah, Gork Mouth is also on Face Fuck Your Mom book. Yeah, you could get a free T-shirt if you like this podcast. You got to prove it, though. You got to follow, subscribe, like, and write a review and prove it to us. And then you have to actually talk to us and show us where. And you'll get a free T-shirt. It glows in the dark. It's one out of 100. Um, and then you'll get a title as a part of the tribe. We have like 16 tribe members, don't we, Boyd? Hell yeah. Yeah, we've got 16 tribe members. The most recent one was Uncle Busta Nut. Yay. The other one was Nut Launcher. Uh-huh. That was Adam. Uh-huh. Yeah. We have the Squirrel Hunter, and the Nut Gatherer is actually a tribe member. Okay. She became a host with us. Yes. And that's Boyd's mom. Yes. Okay. Until next time, we okay. leave in peace. Yes, we leave in peace. Kick it. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.